<laughs> All right, welcome to Bet's Business Book Club, June edition, where we did read Barking Up the Wrong Tree by Eric Barker. Um, Pun intended. I think it is intended. Well, I read on something, he's got a blog and yeah, clever guy. Uh, I have to say, love, 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 love this book. Like, if you don't want to read all of the, the book love books, grab this one because he touches on, I think, like every book we have read. There's books he talks about that I've read, not part of the business club. Um, yeah, it, it was just so good. Anybody got anything specific they want to want to share? I unfortunately did not have all my tabs while I was reading it, so I only have like the first chapter tab but I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I really, uh, I wrote something. I like how it talked about how your environment makes you. Kind of like yes. that quote, if you teach a fish how to walk, they'll be terrible, but <laughs> they're really good swimmers, you know? So I just think it's interesting that your environment really does make you. I mean, yeah. You know, when when we lived in Boston and it was cold and dark and terrible, everybody's cold and dark and terrible. <laughs> it's just a reflection. Like you're really miserable. And then, you know, the the weather sucks, the environment sucks. And then it's not like you're a sunny, bubbly person because you're like, oh, I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm whatever, it's dark out at three o'clock. Like, ugh, it's terrible. So yeah, I, I believe it. <laughs> I think one of the more interesting things to me is, you know, one of the problems is we all think we're normal, right? And we only have a sample size of one brain that we all operate in. So we all Do kind we of think we're normal? I think that's a you thing, Alex. I no, never think I'm normal. <laughs> but you might say it that way, but you still address things as though, like you your know, perspective every, is your normal. perspective is the normal and everyone is going to, you know, operate and think the way you are. And I think what's interesting with this is, look, statistics are, you know, studies are going to show statistics. And the fact that something works for 80% of the people does it or 95, it works for 95% of the people. There's lots of things in this world. So you're going to fall into that other 5% on some of them. But so many cliches have built up over the years. And usually they are based on reality. Like they're not totally wrong, but they might only be right in a set of circumstances that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And there's also a lot of cliches and other things that have been kind of adopted over time. They aren't really based on truth. They're based more aspirational. Mm. Like the whole nice guy, jerk, getter, like all of that. Like I thought that was really, you know, we tell kids that, you know, to do the right thing and it works out, you know, good will always beat evil. Not because it's real, but we want to live in a world where it's real. And the alternative is actually a world of psychopaths. So it's, you know, it's one of those, what's good for the one is not good for the many. There's some Latin phrase for it. But I thought yeah. there was a lot of like dealing with that that I thought was really interesting. And I always love when they actually look at the science instead of just kind of what they think should be or I enjoy the books that, you know, show someone's personal perspective and ah, this is why it worked for me. But, you know, like, remember when Lean In was the big craze, the, uh, the one from Facebook and before that. I never um, even read it. I'm like, whatever, but, it's garbage, whatever okay. it is. <laughs> right. But how many women have achieved that level of success in this country? Ten? 
fraction of a percent. Like, yeah, very, very few. <laughs> like, yeah. like her, Martha Stewart, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm kind of that. That's what I've yeah. got for women that have hit that pinnacle of business. I'm so sure there's take, other, there's the lady from uh, eBay, Meg. The woman who started Spanx. Like there, there's definitely yeah, yeah, successful yeah. women entrepreneurs that are huge. Sure. But they're all so four standard deviations out of norm that right. their memoirs are fantastic, but often not actionable. Right. They're outliers. Right. You can't apply the outlier concept to everyone. Right, because if I were to look at Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and read their stories, I would conclude the secret to life is drop out of Harvard. Right. And, you <laughs> well, know, I think you have to get in first and then drop yeah, out. That's no, the hard we know, part. <laughs> we know plenty of people that you know went to MIT or Harvard and didn't finish. And yeah. how many of them are Zuckerberg or Gates? How many well, of them just developed drug I problems? If I did meet Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> at a party one time <laughs> in college, then I know one. <laughs> right, but again, if that, that happened. <laughs> Right. But again, like these aren't, you can't interpret from, look at this crazy life I led. Right. You know, and I've liked a lot more. There's a lot more of, you know, most business success takes decades. You know, these kind of overnight successes like a Facebook or they're yeah. once in a generation success stories. Right. Like literally there's two of them. <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, one defined the PC era, one defined you know, the social media area. You want to throw Amazon for the e-commerce era in. Well, are you ignoring Steve Jobs? Yes, oh. intentionally. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, if you look well, at I, that. He didn't drop out of Harvard, so I don't know if he fits the category. No, he dropped out of a different school. Right. Was it Rice? He didn't finish? Um, but, <laughs> but either way, um, the number of usually successful college dropouts is a very small number. Yeah. Yeah. But if you were to read their stories, you'd absolutely hear. And um, why Combinator? Uh, Peter Thiel is always pushing people, drop out of college and go join my thing. Well, that's fantastic. He's got alumni all over the place. None of them have hit the Zuckerberg Gate success. He doesn't have no successes under his, but that's really not the, 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 trick, the path to success. But it makes for a great story, those outliers. Right. You know, I flipped yeah. the coin 12 times in a row and came up heads is a much better story than, ooh, I hit heads seven out of 12 times and killed it. Like, that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not exciting. Right, but right. the crazy outlier stories are absolutely the ones that we all want to want to hear. But that's not useful. But I think, like, sort of a tangent to that, I think what made this book so great was his storytelling uh, the illustrative way that he would go down each path and show you like, yes, this is right. You should drop out of college. Yes, this is right. You should stay in college. It was just very fascinating how he kind of wove everything together and applied the science because he quotes all kinds of studies and uh, books and lots of research, which I love. I hate when it's like, oh, this is my personal view on how to do everything fantastic because most of those books suck. Um, <laughs> uh, but I thought it was, um, it was very interesting. I totally just lost my train of thought. All right. Somebody else say something. It was interesting. I like the book, but yeah. <laughs> no, definitely the, you know, going to the literature and things like that. But I think one of the other things that is often missed that I think is why it's really good that you get both the qualitative and the quantitative here is, you know, what is it? Um, we're more, 
fearful, we're more loss averse than we are interested in success. Yes. So Huge one rate. of, right. So one of the challenges when you look at these things is, you know, life's not a Monte Carlo sim. You only play it at once. <laughs> right. So, you know, the fat, you know, the outlier scenario generally isn't the good one. Right. Right. And we're not safe. You know, but right. But the reason we have a bias towards safety is is that n equals one lifespan and the loss aversion that, you know, playing it safe in a nice life is a certainly safer way to play than rolling the dice. And, you know, one guy comes up, Bill Gates, the other, you know, 999 of them, you know, show up divorced with a heroin problem. (laughs) Lots of debt. Yeah. But I mean, seriously, you look at the Steve Jobs thing, did he successfully build Apple in his second coming? Absolutely. What tech exec would swap places with his life ever? Yeah. No. Right. Like, you know, Steve Wozniak's life looks fantastic. You know, didn't get the success of his partner, but he's been playing with toys and being a millionaire his entire life and loved by his community. So that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> Steve Wozniak's had way more fun. He might not have the yacht, but he's still alive and he's yeah. had way more fun. Yeah. Um, something that anyway. <laughs> I really like though when you talked about being an introvert versus an extrovert, I thought that was so interesting because like I am a self-identified introvert. And whenever I say that, people are like, no, you're so friendly, blah, blah, blah. And it's not, it's not that, I mean, I'm not really that friendly. <laughs> I just smile a lot. <laughs> um, but like, okay, so if I go to like a networking thing or even like a social thing, I am so exhausted, just drained all of my energy to have to interact with people that much for that long. Uh, I, I like, I need to then like go take a nap or something, like drink a lot of espresso. Um, Alex, on the other hand, loves the energy. There's a party. Great. Where's the after party? Where's the after after party? And if there isn't one, we will make one. <laughs> So I, I thought that was an interesting discussion on the introvert extrovert and that you know none of us are really fully either anything. i mean what was he saying that introverts do better in silicon valley and extroverts do better leading people yeah like maybe running things well it kind of is related though to the whole thing about the valedictorians which i took like a punch in the throat like <laughs> and he's not wrong but it's just really upsetting to really see someone tell you like you know everything you did when you were in your formative years to be that star student and to be the valedictorian and everyone pat you on the head like aren't you great here's your gold star not that it's not helpful like yeah like learning stuff is good and all but let's be honest i have not changed the world <laughs> at Pat Hockberger, CPA, CGMA. Like we make some people's lives better, hopefully, <laughs> especially if we can give them a tax refund or help them with like, you know, getting out of trouble, but it's not revolutionary. Like I'm, I'm not that Harvard dropout that created a technology phenomenon, even though it was valedictorian. I think that's an unfair standard though, because what do we have? 3000 high school valedictorians graduate every year. I don't know how many high schools are in the country, but it's, no it's thousands, right? So if we double that to add the salutatorians, let's just, you know, expand it. You know, 
over a 20 year span, you're talking, you know, six figures worth of people that aren't going to all be that kind of outliers, mm-hmm. you know, one in a million uh, people. Apparently still- there are 24,000 um, high schools in the United States. Thank oh, you my much. bad. Maybe it was, maybe it was 3,000 was Florida. That oh, I remember at some maybe. point. Yeah. Uh, so 24,000. So you're talking 48,000 valedictorians and salutatorians. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of people every year. Yeah. So we're not that special. You feel special at the time. <laughs> but even if you took all the valedictorians, uh, you could fill the entire class of every one of the top 25 colleges. Right. You know, and they're not, not everyone is going to be that rock star. Yeah. You know, the one in a million is only 330 people. This is way more than one in a million people are uh, valedictorians. <laughs> oh, I'm not special. Is that what you're telling me? You are special. You're very special. <laughs> this is how we remember Bet's actually a millennial. I am not. I'm not a millennial. <laughs> I am right on the border and I identify as Gen X. Anyway, so I did not appreciate <laughs> his very right, correct, honest, true um, discussion of valedictorians that was my first thing but it did get me very emotionally invested in the book which was <laughs> probably why I liked it so much because it made me a little bit angry like I remember getting angry reading this so I was like Arr! but I think your introvert extrovert it's one of the better things that I think really needs more coverage in all the business books because we are so defined by really that Hollywood trope mm. and part of that Hollywood trope is that the introvert is a defective personality type and it's not um how many romantic comedies have followed the storyline of the introverted girl who becomes the extrovert life of the party and is celebrated at the end like she overcame adversity of her introversion and that's not adversity you know but i thought one of the more interesting things that was going on over the last year is you take a look at something like clubhouse and the tech world was really talking a lot about how this past year, the technology, you know, why did you see such a different reaction? If you were an introvert, this past year was fine. Like your reduced social, your reduced social functions were reduced somewhat, but not the way it was devastating to extroverts. Okay. That, that is probably fair, but you have to be, I think, on the extreme end of introvert to have not Right, but that extreme that, that extreme end of introvert made up a huge disproportionate number of Google and Facebook's programming force. That I would believe. So to them, they, that, yeah. it was very easy. You know, five thirty eight had a great thing on this and was talking about one of the fallacies we had in the whole COVID situation is ignoring the fact that for most people, human interaction is an essential activity and treating everyone as evil and vile for wanting that was part of why people just threw up their hands. Right. Like we had leadership who did not take into account that life is full of trade-offs and just decided to take an absolutism and the people response to an absolutism is to say, go fuck yourself, not to partially comply. <laughs> right. Like that, that, so. Or half a you, mask. <laughs> right. But, but if you tell everyone it's all or nothing, right. you end up with the reaction you got of, well, some people are going to say all and some people are going to say nothing. Right. And the, you know, it, Oh, best things. If you want to talk about like the environmental and health benefits of veganism, right? Mm-hmm. What percentage of people will actually be vegan? Very small. 0.1%. What percentage of people could be convinced to go and have two vegetarian meals a week and feel better for it? Absolutely. If you got 200 million people to cut meat out of two meals a week, what cuts back on meat consumption? More of that or the 0.1% that goes vegan? Yeah. 
right? Like partial solutions in large numbers work. That was the whole concept of the mask. No one thought you were actually stopping anything with a mask that at best we thought had a 30% efficacy. Right. But if you spread it across 300 Bring million, back to the book, anyway, <laughs> bad, bad. <laughs> like this, this otherwise goes random rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really loved the part where he talked about, um, and I think it was near the intro over extrovert flattery gets you everywhere, <laughs> right? And it's one of those cliches that apparently is true. And even if it's obvious, and you know what, there have been times, and there's one time I can remember in particular at Bloomingdale's some salesperson came over, said something very flattering to me. I knew they're a salesperson. I knew they were trying to sell me something. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, hi. oh, I'm looking for a new black purse. And sure enough, I bought something. So <laughs> even knowing, knowing that they were doing it, that they were manipulating me, it didn't matter. It still freaking worked. Yeah, sometimes I'll feel like bad for complimenting people because I feel like I'm trying to manipulate them even though I'm not like I'm genuinely like you're amazing you're admirable and I'm like oh they're gonna think I'm trying to but maybe they wouldn't even think that maybe that's but guess what even if they do it doesn't matter they're still gonna (laughs) fall for it right it's not fall for it we don't actually care about other people we care about how other people make us feel that's true. Probably. So their level of sincerity actually has no bearing on whether their flattery makes me feel good or not. So my lizard brain clearly doesn't care whether it's real or not. My lizard brain just says, does this right. make, me be pers- make me feel good or not? Right. Lights up whatever part of your brain likes that sugar rush, the adrenaline rush, the heroin, whatever it is. <laughs> what is dopamine? That? Dopamine. Yeah. Like serotonin, dopamine, one of those things. It must trigger something in your brain where you're like, oh, I want more of this. <laughs> Even if it seems insincere, it's like, oh, I like this. I want some more. Um, okay. Can we like talk about how he like um, went into that whole, basically, um, oh my goodness, the, the givers, the givers versus takers. Mm. And it was such a great tie back to uh, the go-giver, right? Because I love that book. That was and that was such a great book club episode. And it's like, oh, I can be a good person in business, and it's fantastic, and blah blah blah. And it's like, uh, actually, I had a discussion with my mom about this when I was like, you need to read this book. She's and I told her about the valedictorian thing, and she said, yeah, because the valedictorians aren't big enough jerks to be successful. And I was like, oh, but you're wrong, because <laughs> that doesn't. It's short term. You can be a jerk and get what you want in the short term, right? But in the long term, they said the top and the bottom were also givers. So the bottom, no, the problem was you became a martyr. You're really not a giver. You're like, oh, what was me? I'm going to do everything for everyone, not take care of myself, which doesn't get you very far either. Uh, but the top, you're back to the givers. So I loved how that kind of tied back to that recent book club. Yeah. I was very happy to see that that's a valid thing. Because <laughs> it is easy to feel like, everyone who's successful is a jerk and it's it's all very short term yeah short term interesting yeah yeah um the common theme is finding meaning like throughout all these books yes about like it's not necessarily like you have to love what you do but you you have to like get people to love that you're doing it you know and so that way you can feel good at the end of the day and that just seems to be a common theme did anybody um, do any of his like exercises? I didn't do it, but I think I want to. I want to. 
I want to go find it. There's probably PDFs, I would assume, somewhere. Um, I, I like how honest he is in the book because there's somewhere towards the end, like he talks about scheduling. Um, and there was that book that we read long ago, Indistractable, that talked about like time scheduling and things like that. And, and, and here he's like, write down every hour what you're doing. If it falls into like, does it make you happy or this or that? There was like four categories. I don't remember off the top of my head. And he's like, you're going to be upset at what you see. And I was like, oh shit, I better do this because <laughs> I will see how much time I spend on social media and phone games and whatever else, you know, wasting time instead of getting poop done the way you need to get it done. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's where a lot of these books, it's, it's great to read them, but if you don't do the exercise, and the, that like self-work <laughs> and learn that about yourself and what you need to discover about yourself, you only get a little bit. You only get a little bit. You don't get the full effect. Well, I will say, um, in, even if you didn't read the book or you did read the book, you read part of it, his blog's actually really fantastic because oh, yeah? it's not so high volume. He's got a great one on how some of the COVID restrictions mimic uh, depression. And a lot of the ways you can respond to it are the same ways we do. We use behavior to treat depression. Uh, he's got things like great one from like even just a few months ago. It's like how to be happier without really trying. Like a lot of these, and unlike a book, which requires like a serious commitment, reading a blog post is a much smaller investment of time. And uh, there's a lot of like, what's great is he's got, I don't know, 5,000 entries on them. And you don't have to read them all. You can just click through and read the headlines and be like, no, no, no. Oh, I'm going to read that. Like read one out of every three pages. And there's 300 blog posts you could read over the next year. And it's full with like little tidbits. So I thought that that was, and they all have like links to related posts. Like you can, you can go down a rabbit hole. It's still oh, the internet. Sure. <laughs> but it, it's great little like nuggets of help. And it's all got like big headings. And clearly it was written for good SEO. But it happens to also be very easy to, you know, pay attention to what's going on. Oh, that's awesome. I, I actually hadn't looked at his blog. I didn't even know there was a blog before. Um, I don't even know where I found the recommendation for this. Uh, I need to kind of scroll back through and see some of the books that he quoted, things that I haven't read yet. Um, uh, what else though? You know, and towards the end, um, you know, he said like, the most important thing to remember when it comes to success, alignment right? You can't like try to be somebody else. You can't be fake. You can't be a taker. You have to like what you're doing. You have to build an environment and structure your life around what you want and uh, how you're going to define success. So if you think success is, you know, I stop working at 2 p.m. and I only spend quality time with my family, well, you need to schedule out your day ahead of time to make sure you're there you know, not a to-do list. I, I, I make a to-do list if I know I need to like knock things off quickly because I'll sit there and I'll get through them. But when I look at the pad with the, uh, the to-do list, it grows faster than it uh, shrinks, right? It takes so long to get things off. But if you're very meticulous with your calendar and he says like put working time on there. And I was like, oh my God, my calendar is just interruptions. It's all it is. I look at my calendar. I'm like, when do I have a meeting? When do I have an appointment? When do I need to go do something, be somewhere? Like, I don't structure my day to make sure I get everything done at a reasonable time. That's why I'm 
working at midnight. Uh, so I need to sit there and do some of that work and figure out, you know, how do I restructure what I want? But a lot of these things also come back down to like, what do you want? And if you don't know what you want, it's hard to structure your life for success if you don't even know how you define success. Mm. I like this one blog post, the lazy way to an awesome life, three secrets backed by research. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to open the page. It's like, oh, look at that, that's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know, anything else, anybody? Uh, I particularly like the story of the kid who like dropped out of Princeton to go be a Shaolin master. <laughs> not not for the lesson that it gave, it was just like such a wacky story. I was like, that's pretty cool. Random Bet. thing to do with life. <laughs> Bet and Alex, how do you define success? Oh, yeah. <laughs> quote pure kfo one who is happy with his lot in life that's a wealthy man but it works well yeah um i think it's related to my stress level i think when my stress level is lower i'm happier in general um i don't know i think i need to make a better definition and structure my day around it because part of okay part of what stresses me out i often schedule too many things into the day things take at least three times longer than I ever think they should. Uh, and then I put myself into a situation where I'm like always behind and that's very stressful. So I kind of create this terrible <laughs> feedback loop of stress. And when I don't do that and I can like plan things better or, you know, when I say no, oh, he had a whole thing about like the most productive people say no to everything. So instead when someone's like, oh, can you, you know, do you have time for like, a quick call and I'm like looking at my calendar I'm like well I could technically squeeze it in between these two things I didn't know I don't have time sorry I'm much happier because I'm not like trying to shoehorn everything in where there's just no room for it so less stress <laughs> yeah and better eating yeah interesting how about um, you Jordan um for me I think that success would be balance um really just having like a full personal life and that's kind of something that's taken a back seat during covid i've just kind mm. of it's all work it's all work like and i really have very little of a social life um and so i'm trying to like get back to it uh cuz i consider myself an extrovert but since covid i've kind of become introverted to the point where like i don't really want to leave my house and it's kind of scary so I think finding success would be getting back to a balanced like activities going out more enjoying the world breathing in the air <laughs> um, <laughs> experiencing things and then also you know I'm pretty young so I'm still trying to schedule out my future as to what that's going to look like and what success means in that aspect so yeah. that's a whole other yeah, and, and you might have to ask yourself if you're really becoming introverted or you're becoming an unhappy extrovert mm. because it might yeah. not doing stuff doesn't actually make you an introvert accepting a depressed lot in life mm. is not you know mm. yeah and i'm no i'm not gonna psychoanalyze you over a zoom window <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't psychoanalyze you in person i don't know what i'm doing but <laughs> 
Like, I know, like, I am such an extreme introvert. Like, had I not lived in Florida, I probably would have killed myself this past year. Because uh, Bet can attest, the actual six weeks where Florida fully participated in COVID, like, I was losing my mind two weeks in. Like, I was back at the, like, those first six two weeks. weeks did, we ha- did we do it for that long? Sort of. I, I don't know. Reopening was last June. and Yeah, about six weeks. And it was... And I went and got my hair cut in Boynton Beach the week before because Palm Beach opened a week early. And had Palm Beach not entered, I was figuring out where to go for happy hour in Martin County, like four weeks in. Like, I really couldn't handle this. And, like, I look back and I look at people like haven't left their house in a year and they're introverted. They're like, I don't understand why everyone's not doing this. This is fine. And for the extroverts, they're just kind of like depressed messes. And it's like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. You know? And there's a story that he talked about. Um... I think it was like in the summary at the end about this guy that was in this state where the medical establishment thought he was brain dead. And he was like, I guess, I don't, he was, it's not a coma, it was some other thing where he was totally aware of everything going on. Like he said that his mom came in and said, I wish you would die because it was such a burden, like taking care of, he was in the state for like 10 years or something crazy. And then one day he kind of started to come out of it. Um, but is that the feeling of helplessness causes so much depression. So, you know, even just, I think the act of going through and saying like, this is what I want in my life. You know, this is how right now I'm going to define success. And it's going to be like, you know, I'm going to join a kickball team and I'm going to go out twice a week and blah, 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 whatever it is, because you can change it later. Right. You can always change your goals, but just to feel like you have control over your own destiny is so important. Yeah. I need to get a bike. <laughs> so if anyone has a bike that's relatively affordable. Uh, Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get like messages now about bikes. I have a bike for you to buy. Uh, offer up Craigslist. Wait, don't they have, or maybe, I don't know, they have it near you. You see every once in a while those, like, things where you can rent a bike? Yes, yes, I've done it. I've done it probably twice now, three times. And I enjoy it, but you only get it for, like, 30 minutes. And mm. it's kind of in awkward areas. And gotcha. I'm not, I just learned how to ride a bike, like, two years ago. What? So Really? Good. Yes, really. I never learned how to ride a bike. I was Wow. No awkward turtle or something but um the things you learn about people in book club (laughs) yeah yeah so now I really enjoy it but I'm not good at it so it's always in like these busy Fort Lauderdale parks yeah and it's crazy because I'm like trying to avoid others I just want to go to Margate or something where there's a giant straight sidewalk (laughs) yeah definitely hop on Craigslist also if you have your own bike like you can get it like the right height for you and yeah. and whatnot get a bike they're like it's like a thousand dollars for a bike I was what? Like, no what? craigslist yeah so i have my brother's old bike from high school that i wouldn't put a new seat on a new handlebar i spent like 150 bucks fixing it up and it's fun could i race it no is it totally fine for i bike to the park and get some fresh air absolutely yeah. uh, our kids bikes ended up need, getting new ones because you couldn't actually a year ago 
functionally get anything on Craigslist. Yeah. But before that, all our kids' bikes came off Craigslist for like 20 or 30 bucks and a $5 new tube from uh, Walmart and away we went. And if it was destroyed, who cared? Yeah, we threw it in the <laughs> trash. It was usually cheaper to buy a new bike for 20 bucks off Craigslist than $25 to replace the tires they broke. Yeah, true. Bikes are weird. Check out Craigslist. Yeah. I find all things on Craigslist. It's like this weird alternative universe of like weird things, bartenders and like bikes. (laughs) It's kind of like a metaphor for the entire internet. Yes, the internet is a big cesspool of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Little diamonds. Uh, No, (laughs) very little. No diamonds. Sorry, little um, islands. Little islands of palm trees. They're just a mirage. They're not even real. I thought, yeah. Um, Anyone got anything else? I'm looking at bicycles for sale in the Miami Fort Lauderdale area for Jordan. It's very exciting. (laughs) Alex is very good at finding things on Craigslist. I need the shift of the gear because I don't like the crazy <laughs> ones where I have nothing to push against. It freaks me out. It's not fun. Do you like the thumb brakes or ride backwards brakes? And like the little the gear shifter. I don't know. What it's Do you want a horn? No, I don't. Or a bell? <laughs> no horn needed. And I can buy a seat at Walmart. I want streamers or no streamers on the handlebars? Seats that just are comfy. Here, here you go, Jordan. Pegs are done. <laughs> okay, this went really sideways. Um, all right, I think we're done talking about Barky up the wrong tree. I'm definitely gonna like read this with a much finer tooth uh, comb or something. Um, yeah, me too, honestly. Just not right now. But I'm going camping. Um, Maybe I'll take it with book. me next week or next month oh our next book the accidental salesperson how to take control of your sales career earn the respect and income you deserve by chris little l-y-t-l-e little i guess i don't know um so what i thought was interesting about this book was that it's like yet again it was kind of like that last one is like everyone has to sell He's like, oh, you just gotta find yourself in this position where you have to sell. <laughs> yeah, is it gonna be like that? Um, I don't know because I haven't read the it yet. Sell as human meets the accidental salesperson. Possibly. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. He's a leader in sales training, at least in his Amazon description of the book. <laughs> Filled with oh. money generating strategies. Woohoo! Who doesn't want money? We'll see. How bad can it be? I, you usually learn something from, like, even if it's like meh of a book, you learn something. So, true. At uh, the very least, you get to pat yourself on the back and say, I did that. <laughs> I actually feel, um, you know, maybe this is a good place to kind of do a quick review. So, it's June, right? We're halfway through the year. I have found I've gotten a lot out of the books that we read, even the ones when I haven't liked them so much. I think I've gotten a lot out of all of them anybody else yes Bueller. Bueller. you don't have to be the valedictorian you don't have to just say yes <laughs> but i think i'm finding that it's actually doing achieving its goal i'm reading all these books i'm definitely learning things um hopefully i'm integrating them into my life even if not perfectly but true hopefully it's better 
all right cool we'll keep doing it then <laughs> it is you're very positive try try and try and all right everyone well if that's it that's it we're done and we'll see you in july i don't even know what the date is to find it july something july 8th we, hmm. might, have we might have to change that date i think i might be in transit <laughs> sometime in july <laughs> we'll see what's happening after all america's right. birthday <laughs> all, right. all right thanks everybody Bye. Thank you.